The personal is always political and the political is always personal. You're tuned in to Poppin' Policies with R. Jordan Davis. What's up, everybody? We're back in the Situation Room, and on today's episode, we'll be discussing political communications. So happy to bring on some really good friends who are killing it in this realm. I have Michael and Tavon here in the Situation Room, so I'm going to go ahead and introduce them, and we'll get right into the conversation. Michael is a political communications professional and currently serves on the communications team of a Georgia-based voting rights nonprofit. He has previously served as state press secretary and press advisor for center-left think tank, Third Way, an intern for the Congressional Black Caucus, Congressman G. K. Butterfield, Senator Mark Warner, and Congressman Bobby Scott. Michael is a graduate of Norfolk State University, where he earned a Bachelor of Arts in Political Science, and American University, where he earned a Master of Arts in Political Communication. Our second guest is Tavon Blair. He is a strategic, dedicated, and outcomes-driven communication professional with a demonstrated success in developing key concepts, which increase the engagement and brand of an organization. He uses his background in communications and interests in politics to raise awareness on popular topics, such as education reform, politics, and a pipeline to college to career. Tavon is a proud graduate of Dillard University and is currently a master's student at George Washington University focusing on political communications. It is my esteemed honor to introduce these two gentlemen to the podcast, Michael and Tavon. We're gonna go straight into it. Start off with the first question. What is the exact role of a communications department in a political campaign or just in a political organization? Um, so, uh, communications department in a political organizational campaign basically handles all things related to external and sometimes internal communications, um, branding, things of that nature. Um, so anything from graphic design to press releases, statements, talking points, anything that I would say is kind of frontward facing and in publications and on TV, things of that nature, um, that's typically what the communications department handles. So it's a wide variety of things. Um, And I guess you could say like every day is pretty much different. There's really nothing. um, No two days are like pretty much. Yes, I agree with Michael. Um, Just to add on, also the comms office would be a space for just handling any crisis that can happen and kind of preparing for those crises too. So not just waiting until the moment happens, just trying to have a plan um, before anything can get too severe there. Okay. Cool, cool. Thank you guys for that baseline, you know, overall description of what you all do um, and what the profession really consists of. And I know growing up, I never really saw many black political communications professionals Um, I guess the only one that really comes to mind is like an Olivia Pope. Um, Besides you two, I really don't know any other (laughs) professional communication um, 
or political communication professionals who are black. So like, why is this such a hard industry for black people to get into? And why is it so hard for people to, to go up the ranks and become senior level um, political communication professionals? Well, first, um, I'm actually Oliver. I'm Olivia Pope's brother. I'm not sure people heard about. But um, to answer your question, I would say, like, from what I've seen is that the political space has a very, like, tight-knit circle. So mm, yeah. if you work in one space, you now have made a connection with someone else. And oftentimes, those connections do seem to be of white people connecting to other white friends to get up. So there are a few amount of black folks that I've met in con spaces, but it's many of the same spaces. So I think mm. why it's so limiting is it needs to be more programs of connecting that there's other things on campaigns besides field and um, like the, the big bosses, there's that middle team of people that, that are needed for campaigns. And they have different things like comms, data, research, um, finance, that people don't know that consist of political campaigns. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think one, like growing up, I didn't know what political communications was. I didn't know that that realm existed. Um, so <laughs> Oh, I think it's that. And I think also, as Tavon mentioned, like the pipeline is not very diverse. Mm -hmm. And in order to get into a lot of these rooms, it takes a lot of interning. It takes a lot of interning for free on campaigns, on Capitol Hill, things of that nature. And historically, like, you know, most people of color, most black people don't have the resources to just spend a D, uh, summer in D.C. Uh, working for free. Right, because D.C. Months. is expensive. It's extremely expensive. So I, I think that has a big um, influence on why these spaces are not as diverse. Um, also, like, again, being on Capitol Hill, seeing those, you know, spaces, a lot of those, as Devon mentioned again, are about connections, about networks, and sometimes it's not even friends it's more so family you know my mm. dad knows the congressman and i need an internship for the summer so yeah. he's sending me to dc for the summer so if you're not in a, a privileged community or a privileged space it's very hard to um to get into the room sometimes yeah and so i guess that leads me to my next question how did you all find this niche because it is a very particular niche um, in politics. And so how did you know this was something you wanted to do? And who are some people that kind of inspired you to kind of pursue this as a career? I guess I can start. <laughs> so um, my interest in political communication really came along when I was younger. And I would say it started more with communications than it did with politics because I was very obsessed with like e-news and mm. entertainment tonight and teen people back when that was a thing all those magazines <laughs> and I knew I wanted to do something related to like marketing public relations I did not know that politics had a realm like that I just mm, yeah. I didn't think about it so I would say like after Obama was elected like most black people <laughs> very, very interested in politics and started doing my research and found out that there was a space called political communication that 
you know, not many people knew about. I still, to this day, have to explain my degree to my family. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know what it is. Um, but yeah, and I would say in terms of people I looked up to, I would say it was a bit harder when I was at home and I went to school at home in Norfolk State. Um, but I had a mentor there when I interned in the communications and marketing office at my undergrad institution. And then when I got to Capitol Hill to intern, I found another mentor who'd been really, really great um, and helped me kind of along the way. And I think, you know, Olivia Pope helped put this <laughs> this realm into the, you know, stratosphere as well. As well because yeah. I think a lot of people didn't really know what that entailed, what that life entailed. So I think when Scandal came on, that did help kind of, you know, make sense of what it was I wanted to do. Right. And it helped other people make sense of what I wanted to do, too. Absolutely. I want to be Olivia Pope. <laughs> I actually do not, but similar, I guess. Very similar, but not quite everything. I think I'm going to start with Olivia Pope, too. <laughs> but, um, no, like, just like Michael said, I did not know the face existed. And I was on the communications route, public relations, branding, uh, just be, being a voice for, for groups of people, that's what, like, I was taking the communication route. And so, of course, you know, I graduated in 2018, and I think the route that got me, what I know the route that got me on political comms is being on the Abrams campaign and observing how the comms department operated. Mm-hmm. Up north is a space, one, for something I'm interested in, and two, a space that I have too many of people that look like me. Um, and I was like, okay, wow, there's this new route that not too many people I've seen that are black in political comms, and oftentimes the people that are running these political comms like departments that you see from different campaigns or um, like different people's offices are often white staffers who may have to create strategies or right. talk points about black communities. And so even like in my, my program, I'm in now at GW, I'm like one of the two black people at times in wow. classes. And so it, it just hits me that, okay, I'm doing this for a reason. I need, need to be in this space because black staffers should be creating strategies for black voters instead of, you know, an outside race um, saying why black voters don't vote. Yeah. Not knowing the historical context of why things are like, you know, pressure, pressure areas of why voters um, are afraid to vote sometimes. So that's why I'm in this space, and everything just kind of started after fall 18. Yeah, and for those listening who don't really understand um, how important it is for for there to be black staffers behind messaging, why is it so important for there, for there to be black people in this space kind of driving the messaging from a, a campaign or an organization? Why is that so important? I think it comes down to authenticity and just experience. Mm. I think as a black person, particularly if you're on a campaign that is trying to engage black voters, you know what black people will listen to. You know who they listen to and who they don't take seriously. Um, And honestly, like some of it, most of it, honestly, is kind of instinctual. Like you just know, like, "Mm, you know, black people don't really mess with them like that. So we shouldn't (laughs) put our candidate there. Um, You know, and also... I think, particularly in my field, I think you are just more aware of what your people do. You know that if 
I want to reach apolitical black millennials. I'm not going to put a story in the New York Times because they're not reading that. Right. So are there other places that we can go, other radio shows, other publications that we can reach out to to engage that audience? Um, you just, you know well. And I also think, like, as black people, historically, like, we've always had to know not only just about our culture, but other cultures as well, That's which... Right. I know sometimes people get angry about growing up, of course, because it seems unfair, but I also think it makes you a better professional because mm-hmm. I think you are more aware of your culture and other cultures and what different types of people may listen to, what they like, things of that nature, whereas some other folks may be not as um, equipped to talk mm-hmm. about what Black people like because you've never hung around Black people or lived around them, so you, you literally just don't know. Yeah. Even with how the the media and politics work hand in hand, it's about like also that story of black communities from news stations. And so you you don't know how one community could be hearing how, how a story happened or, or why they shouldn't vote for a specific candidate and it may only be targeted for that community. Mm-hmm. And so with the com with a black comms director or someone on on the team that's black, they're able to either use their communication skills to help educate a community instead of having that community continue to listen to uh, this thing, you know, called fake news or uh, just something that's not aligned with the actual facts of a situation. And so, like, when you start talking to actual voters, there's people in the community, they may have this perception of, of, of something that happened because they were given that information from someone that was not being genuine with them or was purposely trying to make them, like when people say wrong wrong dates for elections, mm. those things come in. And so now you're manipulating a community of people right. rather than just telling the fact with a trusted source. So if I'm black, you're black, let's help each other. Um, learn more about why you should vote and the reason they come behind it. So it's all needed. Yeah. And you both talked about media and how important media is in this realm of politics. Um, I want to shift it and talk about social media for for a minute, um, especially like Twitter. We know Black Twitter is notorious for um, revving up sales for a business or um, putting a campaign on the map, putting a particular person on the map, putting a dance on the map. So how important is Black Twitter um, when it comes to pushing a message, pushing a political message? I think, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I was Black Twitter is Twitter. <laughs> it runs and regulates everything. And so even like when we, what happened when, like, so the first day when, when Kamala Harris posted her, um, well, well, launched her campaign video announcement, the day after, there were threads mm. of, like, of these uh, opinion leaders uh, on Twitter who had an audience and they shared these long threads of like why people shouldn't support her. And so social media in the political space is very powerful because you have so many people that may not resort to the, you know, standard news news areas or, you know, looking into um, the history of things. If that person has a trusted audience, that audience is going to listen to what that person is saying. So I think adding social media into this political space, it's, it's just so much to think about. I think that's why some social sites have stopped political ad payment, but um, paid ads to support campaigns. Mm. So it's a very strange space, but it's important for, for campaigns to understand how black Twitter can 
assist in certain ways, but don't do it where you're you're trying to be something that you're not. Yeah. Very easy to spot that out. It's now, now that's a problem. This one's going to call you out on being fake. Absolutely. Yeah, um, I think social media plays a very big role in our lives and our society. I think in politics, it certainly does. I think it can build up a campaign and it can certainly <laughs> bring one down. Um, and I think black Twitter is extremely influential in that. I would say my only caveat is that, you know, uh, people often say Twitter is not real life. <laughs> um, and I think some folks can sometimes live and die by Twitter. Mm. And I do think things live and die by what people may post on Twitter. But Twitter's often, you know, the people up there tend to be more liberal. They tend to be more educated. They tend to be more in the know. Yeah. So while it's very important to have a social media engagement strategy, particularly on Twitter, I caution people to, you know, take it, like, contextualize it and yeah. understand that this isn't the end-all, be-all, despite its importance. Yeah. So with that being said, what journals or periodicals or newspapers, um, and they don't have to be print, but online newspapers, would you suggest mm-hmm. uh, that people get their information from um, so that they do have a balance and they're not so oversaturated with what's going on or what's that's, being said on Twitter. That's really uh, good. I mean, it's there's so many outlets nowadays, but I would say the ones that I go to the most frequently are definitely the New York Times, um, definitely the Atlantic. I think they have really thoughtful pieces. Um, you know, the Washington Post. I... I'm not too huge on TV. I think I got that from grad school. <laughs> my, my professor, one of my favorite professors, always told us to read the news instead of watching it because watching it makes you more emotional and it kind of, mm. you know. I can definitely see that. Yeah. <laughs> like, it makes you have more of a visceral reaction than reading it. So I tend to read a lot of things. Um, but those are like the three that immediately come to mind. Um, but in terms of like people I really like, I love Janelle Bowie. I think he's smart. He writes for the New York Times. Um, and a lot of other just really thoughtful reporters. Abby Phillips, I really like. Um, folks like that. But it's, it's so much out there to read. You know, Teen Vogue has good political articles. Rolling mm, Stone okay. has good political political articles. Wow, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, no, like it's the political content is literally everywhere. So there's so many avenues that you can go down, but those are some of my favorites. Cool. What about you, Tavon? So I actually find well, the first, how do I find it? So if I'm looking for a political article or apply, it, it comes to me first through Michael. So Michael <laughs> <laughs> did a lot of like political articles on social media and before I can, before I can get watched on TV or spotted somewhere else, Michael has reshared it. So I'm going to echo from what you <laughs> <laughs> see a lot of his articles that he shares. And so it's kind of the same space, but I have to like read something. We'll find the source three or three or four times to make sure something's legit and, and it's factual. Uh, because sometimes reading more than those, just those headlines at times, I'm always on the ghost and you know, mm-hmm. social media may be the first route where article is shared in, and I take a look at it. 
but you have to read, you know, further past the headline. Okay. So much more that could be inside of that story that you don't get. Yeah. I totally, I echo that. Like, <laughs> we, especially on Twitter, like, sometimes you just have to read things for yourself. <laughs> um, and sometimes that's why it takes me forever to get through my tabs on my phone. Our article, but I definitely think it's important to go beyond the headlines and actually read the piece. Yeah, for sure. That's great. That's great. So where where do you see the future of political comms going? You know, we're in a new decade now. What is the future of political that's, communication? Yeah, that's a hard question. I think the future of political communications is bright. I think particularly for young people of color. I think as particularly Democrats... Um, understand that black voters are their bread and butter. I think that creates more opportunities and spaces for black people to come into campaigns um, and message to these very important voters. Um, I think that just as our demographics in this country shift, that creates a lot of opportunities for young people of color to um, take the reins in campaigns because your viewpoint, your voice is needed, your insight is needed. Um, so yeah, that's where I see it going. Um, but go ahead, Tavon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see it going that way as well. But I also like instead of just having black staffers on campaigns, I think that those black staffers are not going to be in senior level positions. So like what we've seen with, um, I want to say Joe Biden has a, a black. A black um, male as his communications director, Julian um, Castro, and a black woman as our campaign, as his campaign manager. And so seeing more black faces in senior level positions is, I think, is what's going to happen more often. Uh, and those black staffers that are, well, black people are interested in political comms in general, can move up. And so now campaigns. They're acknowledging that, you know, black voters, like like my says, claim that you, you need to be looking into, but Stafford's is the importance because now people are, that's a different part of the reason people look into the campaign teams or like just your staffers and your entire base is, well, not your base, but your entire um, staff community is non-minority people. They're going to call that out. Mm. And so once that gets flagged, you're now being questioned if, you really um, re- represent a diverse look on your campaign team. Right, right. That's awesome. That's awesome. So we're wrapping up, but as a last question, what are each of your, I guess, dream goals in this realm? Like, if you could, if you could have your dream job in this in this niche in this area, what would it be? I'm glad you asked. Um, (laughs) So I actually have three um, because I'm extra. So my dream job since I was like 16 or 17 has been to be White House press secretary. Um, I would take White House communications director too, but I would love to be White House press secretary. I would love to own my own communications firm. I think there are just not enough Black-owned communications firms out there. So I would love to do that. And I really, really, really want to teach political science and wow. communications. Wow. So, yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> so, uh, I have a few, you know. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of how I want to use my political time. Uh, so the first, the first, like, ideal role I see myself in the next few years is, one, having my own communications um, firm, where as I've seen as a strategist, 
of just helping campaigns to just pick out and choose like what areas or what communities that you should be looking into. Um, given that answer of like why black voters should vote for you and um, just changing the language and narrative that some campaigns are using to describe, you know, POC and voters in general. But also it shouldn't, it shouldn't have taken this long for me to get involved in political calls. And so another like passion of mine is to start um, some program where I can teach political comms and the ropes of like how to get in this space and train them up like it's like so they even talking like this for college students so they can now be prepared once they do leave college to get into this um this space we have a lot of like co-workers i've met that don't have degrees mm-hmm. in campaign life and yes i'm getting my master's right now but i'm sure there are some folks who, are, who skip past all of this and just use their name and their brand to move up uh, amongst the ranks I'm not going to say who but we get kind of the lens of where that mm-hmm. comes from. Um, so it could be even more down the road as a communication director somewhere. But the ultimate is just to work for myself, but to give the, all the knowledge I know and pass it down to the folks who want to get into this space. I don't know if they want to get in this space or not. Just know that it's an opportunity for them. Awesome. Awesome. Good stuff. So we're ending it, but I always want to give my... Um, guests and opportunity to share uh, their socials and where people can find you and keep up with you if you so choose. I know we live in a <laughs> in a private life now, private society. So if you so choose, um, give the listeners your socials and where they can find you and keep up with you. Well, oh, yeah, go ahead, <laughs> He was ready. For he was ready. <laughs> I have decided to brand myself, so all of my social media is my name. So it's Tavon Blair. T-E-V-O-N, last name Blair. And um, I talk about everything about HBCUs, black stuff, and the fun political spaces as well. So give me a follow and let's have conversations. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, so (laughs) my Twitter and Instagram is Sir Michael King. The Instagram has a little underscore at the beginning. Um, I'm much more random than Tavon is, so... You may see Jesus, you may see <laughs> Joy Reed, a lot of Beyonce, um, you know, a lot of articles and just random things. I'm a very random person. So, yeah. We love to see it. We love to see it. Thank you guys so much. This was a great conversation. I learned a lot and hopefully our listeners did too. Yes, Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Michael and Tavon, y'all did y'all's thing. Thank you so much for stopping by Popping Policies, but more specifically, sitting in the Situation Room with me to talk about political communications and how important it is to have diverse political staffers to enhance messaging for Black and Brown constituents. I am so appreciative of your input. This conversation was much needed. Y'all put me onto some new news outlets that I cannot wait to explore. So it was a great conversation all around. Thank you so much once again. If you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to leave a rating, comment, subscribe, download, all that good stuff. In addition to following me on Instagram and Twitter at I am our Jordan for more updates on podcast episodes and their air dates. Thank you to all who have supported the podcast thus far. I have the best support system in the world, hands down, no cap. I'm speechless. Thank you so much. Um, It has been an overwhelming amount of love and support and 
like I've said, I, I'm just eternally grateful and I do not take this opportunity lightly. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. See you next time on Popping Policies with R. Jordan Davis.